0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Going to open the show talking about some research around uh, getting back together with the exes. It's bleak. It's bleak. <laughs> we're gonna unpack it talk about it, learn a lot through that journey so whether you're married single happily married happily single whatever's going on a lot we can learn all these different topics and of course we'll be uh Sliding into those uh DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop us uh drop us a line, a question, topic, whatever it is in the DMs on our Love Energy G page. I laugh when I read some of these articles. Uh I'm glad that they're honest. They don't sugarcoat anything. So this is just breaking down and looking at why people get back together with an X. Oh, there's so many reasons. Let's start with the positive for a second. Let me tell you a little story. I have a very good friend of mine from high school and uh her parents just went on such a beautiful journey and they did it for the right reasons in the right way so they're an example of the 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 beneficial positive outcome of leaving lovingly so her parents were married uh quite happily as far as i could tell but you know who knows what goes on outside the vision and uh, experiences of someone in high school cuz i was a little knucklehead back then but uh basically they got divorced And they left lovingly, which is what I always hope everyone does, is when you, as an adult, a healthy adult, realize that a relationship you have with another healthy adult, and sometimes it ends when things are bad. It's not always an ending when things are kind of neutral or flat, you know, realizing, I don't know if I want to do this sometimes it's because things are gnarly. But either way, I think it's really important for everyone to have integrity and to leave lovingly. Well, they did. You know, I don't know how the process came to be, but I was around them at different times throughout my own lifespan, so I got to see this. So there they are, they get divorced. And uh, maintain a relationship, very distally, but they have, you know, kids together. But their kids were, you know, going off to college, and so they weren't co-parenting in the close ways that you do when you have a very young child. Nonetheless, left lovingly, stayed distally in contact. I do not remember what would happen on the holidays if they got together at all. Years went by. And they wound up getting, starting to date again and got remarried, happily remarried again. Now, what does that tell us? Well, it tells us a couple of things. That if you're really interested in love and you really care about someone, you do what you gotta do to take care of it. That's the first point, that when we're in a relationship with someone, we are in their care, they're in our care. And that's what I get frustrated with when I work with different people is that I don't think we take relationships seriously and we don't understand what true, commitment is. And I use that qualifying term true. True commitment is just that, true commitment. I am in your care. You are in my care. I consider how I impact you. You consider how you impact me. When I win, you win. When you win, I win. We are not in a competition. I am on your side. You're on my side. We have each other's back. We try to lead with love. And if we realize we shouldn't be together anymore, we'll talk about it openly and we'll exit with love. That's how it should always look. Not because maybe you'll get back together down the road, but because that's the kind of person you wanna be and you're practicing better relational skills. Anything short of that is not a true commitment or a true relationship. And I I see out in the world, and even in my office, a lot of people that aren't even in a relationship because there's no commitment, and I'll say that. You don't have a real relationship. Being married does not equal a real relationship. Living together does not equal a real relationship. Having kids does not equal a real relationship. Monogamy doesn't equal one. It's what these people do in terms of how they relate to each other. True commitment is about true care. I have accountability and responsibility for myself and the other and the quality of our relationship, period. Most people aren't thinking in those terms. They think about what is in it for me. They move through it worrying about themselves. They don't consider the impact on the other. And when they're hurt or wounded, they're willing to harm the other and to burn it down. It's very primitive and elementary. As adults, and I use that word to talk about us evolving to a higher level of functioning, We leave with care. We take that responsibility seriously. I think people don't take the relational responsibility seriously enough and what happens is we impact them. Everyone's carrying in them an internal working model, perspective they have on how safe the world and others are and how much value and worth they have. And that's constantly updated in the positive or the negative based on who we're with. Also our nervous systems. We wanna be with people that soothe them where we start to realize unconsciously that I can let my guard down when I'm around others. That touch and closeness are safe that I can actually trust. Or the opposite, my, our, our, our nervous system stays hypervigilant, always interpreting everything as danger or as an injury. We have a negative sentiment override where we always assume the worst. We don't assume the best or assume something neutral. It primes us to always expect that and project that. So we move forward worse off. Please get out of unhealthy relationships. Like I said, they impact your, you cognitively, but also psychobiologically. We have to get out of them, but we have to do better. So we're going to talk about why people get back together with their exes. We're going to come back and kind of break some of that down. But there, it's, it also hopefully points to a better model of functioning. And I wish people did pre-relational counseling. I wish there were some discussions in school around relational skills. They don't just emerge out of nowhere. It's really rooted in what we were raised with. And a lot of people aren't really nailing that. So we'll come back and talk about what some of the research tells us. Again, like I said, it's not that great. (laughs) <laughs> the story I shared is like a best case for, ver- you know, best case example, best case version, but uh, we'll stick around. We'll break that down. Like I said, we'll be doing some DMS and uh past episodes of the show over at, we are channelq.com. So go on over there, scroll down, click on it. Bam. All right. We'll be back. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s.
0: And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fees, 24 monthly bill credits for walk well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. Due $35 per line connection charge apply. CTMobile.com.
1: All right, we are back and uh, we're talking about getting back together with an X, looking at some of the research. Oh, so let's look at it. Uh, check this one out. So research shows that about 40 to 50% of people have reunited with an ex to start a new relationship. It's a pretty high stat. I was actually shocked by that. 40 to 50% of people circle back to someone they were with. That's That was surprising. Uh, these are some of the headlines. On again relationships tend to suffer lower relationship quality and worse functioning than never broken relationships. Now we can make a lot of assumptions as to why that might be, you know, what? whatever it was that caused them to break up in the first place probably is still going. Where those that don't break up didn't need to, and then they're doing well, and so they're doing well. The ones that broke apart weren't, got back together, just returned, you know, changing seats around on the Titanic, as I say, it's still going down, just changing the seats, took some time off because neither party's really worked on themselves. Bigger than that, they never looked at what are the core issues in our relationship? How are we relating to each other problematically? It all remains, time does nothing. Separation does nothing inherently. And that's why when couples like, oh, we're going to separate, I say, look, that is not helpful. What are you planning on doing during that time? In fact, I don't support separation. I think separation actually is really traumatic to the attachment of the two individuals. What we need is to work on consistency, reliability, responsiveness. That's usually what's, what's lacking. Separation is a further enhancement and really digging our heels into more space and distance. These couples already disconnected enough. Separating by by moving out for a while or not talking is more disconnection. The best case scenario of that would be, I'm gonna be in intensive therapy and self-reflection during that time, but that's never what happens. Just taking a break is just putting it on pause. Are you working on yourself? Are you learning and growing? But that is detrimental to the relationship. Stay put if you wanna be in this relationship and, and do the work as, as opposed to just taking a break or hitting on them, putting, hitting pause. I'm not a fan of the separation piece. Like I said, the damages an already disconnected relationship. And it's practicing being single. We need to practice uh, our our relational selves. We need to get better about that. Um, People, here's another headline. People often often resume relationships with ex-partners because of lingering feelings. I know, but we gotta be better than that. Just because there's a lot of chemistry or even a lot of love doesn't mean we're built to be together. And that's a rough thing to understand. Just because we are attracted Just because we spent time together and value things about each other doesn't mean we can pull it off. Doesn't mean these person's histories, psychologies, or nervous systems are gonna be compatible or congruent. What matters most is what is it like when these people are together as a couple? I don't care about their amazing sex. I don't care about those good one-offs. In general, what is the quality of their relationship? Are they healthy? And if not, you need to work on it or it's time to go. It really is that simple. But a lot of people stay in there forever thinking it's in a lot of turmoil. I've said this before. If your relationship has a lot of turmoil, that's not a good sign. Relationships take work, but they don't take a lot of work. If they take a lot of work, it's because you're trying to make something work that inherently isn't compatible. Everyone has a different attachment style. Everyone has a different internal working model. Everyone's been through some family of origin stuff. And when we come together, It's not always going to create something that's healthy or sustainable. And all the work or therapy in the world doesn't mean that that's possible. We try. It takes a lot of work. It's not always possible. Not everyone has what it takes to be with the person they want to be with. It's the quality of their togetherness that we should be looking at to make that determination. Um, So... Again, going back to the uh, on-again, off-again relationships are often lower in quality. Oh, here we go. So evidence suggests that on-again relationships qualitatively different from only sticking around. So compared to relationships that never went through a breakup, the ones that circle back have lower satisfaction, less felt validation. It's an interesting term. Less love, less sexual satisfaction, and less need fulfillment. But again, that's because these people haven't done anything. They took time apart and broke up, and they missed them, and they came back together. So they're coming back as the same person to the same person to the same relationship. That's a no-brainer. But if they work and do the work I always talk about, which is after a relationship ends, whether we're going to be with them again or not, we look back and we say, what kind of partner was I in that relationship? Because that tells me what I could possibly and most likely will recreate again moving forward. What parts of myself do I want to bring again to a new relationship that I'm proud of? My strengths. But what are the parts of myself that I'm not proud of? The parts that I need to make sure I don't bring forward into a new relationship with the same person or a different person? That is where the work exists. And if you can answer that, and you can tell me you'll be focusing on that, I feel a little bit more confident about people getting back together. But few people do that. And in fact, we often blame the other. But all relational problems are about a pattern and a habit and a system. Doesn't matter who starts it, we help keeping it going. And if we don't, and we actually help improve it, well then it does not maintain itself as an issue and we move on. So we always have to look at our role. It's not a good sign when you don't see what part you might have had in it in some way, shape or form, because you do. But that's why returning to these prior relationships don't mean that anything's any better because the people themselves aren't any better. Uh, reasons people get back together so that's the big question well then why right Uh, evidence suggests that's those lingering feelings but again that's that's not necessarily meaningful enough to me some of the main reasons include familiarity I know but I think that's a cop-out and that bums me out it's familiar better the devil you know as they say I don't agree with that sometimes it's about stepping into our courage and our vulnerability and trying something with someone else Or like I said, doing the work to realize who we need to be, how we need to be differently to maybe make this work now that we've been with them. We have a sense of what they need from us and what we need from them and what we need from ourselves. Because remember, in healthy relationships, we know our partner. We know them. We know how they run. We know all the ingredients to the secret sauce. We know how to hurt them and we make sure we don't. We know how to calm them down and we make sure we do that. That's the big question. What did that relationship need that you didn't bring it? Will you be able to do that again this time? Let's take a little break. We'll come back, we'll keep breaking this down, and then we'll, uh, we'll do some DMs. So got a DM, dropping the DMs on our Love and G page. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, so stick around. All right, we are back, and we're talking about why exes get back together. The good, the bad, and definitely the ugly. So uh, looking at some research and stats, 40 to 50% of people reunited with an ex. I am shocked to see that number, as high as it is, truly. I'd have to see what their operational definition is of having separated and gone back together. I mean, if they didn't talk for a few days, cause some people they're always breaking up and it only lasts a few hours, a few days. And so them getting back together, I, I don't know if that falls under what they're talking about. People that have truly separated and broken up aren't constantly weaponizing that or threatening that, but really mean that, which by the way, it's a form of emotional abuse to constantly be threatening to leave or to divorce or to break up as a tactic of control or to dramatize. So Definitely be aware of that, keep that in check. And then of course the stats were looking at how, you know, lower relational quality with those that get back together. But I I was pointing out that it depends on the couple and the individuals. If they've worked on themselves and identified what wasn't working and actually changed, then when they come back together, it's a completely new relationship of sorts and it can survive. But few do that. I, I, I talk all the time about really assessing who you were and who you want to be again, who you don't want to be again. And if you really work on and with that, then in, in essence, a different person's coming together with a different person. But few do that, it's what we do in the therapy is really trying to create what we call second order change, true, d- deep change where the people are different. A mere separation or time apart changes actually absolutely nothing. And that's the problem when people are like, oh, we're separating for a while. Okay, so you're taking time apart for a while. That's not meaningful. That's not transformative. That's not therapeutic. What were you hoping will take place during that time? I advise couples to stay together. Couples that are wanting a separation have too much disconnection, too much intensity. We have to learn on reconnecting, really sitting with and processing primary emotion, not going right to anger and violence and frustration, but coming down to primary emotion, which are those vulnerable emotions. I feel sad. I feel lonely. I feel disconnected. Really really sitting in it. So um, the elements that oh, here we go, research was saying are part of why the quality's lower, lower satisfaction, less felt validation, because again, nothing's changed. Less love, well, because nothing's changed. They broke up because it wasn't working and they're trying again. It doesn't mean anything's different. Lower sexual satisfaction. And this is also because a lot of times there might be resentment still. Resentment is known in the field, in the industry, as one of the things that once it's kicked in, relationships generally can't be salvaged once we've gotten resentful of the other which means we no longer like them if you just don't like this person you have no relationship in fact whatever it is you built your relationship around is not good for either it's toxic right so the core to a long long-term happy sustainable couples are that they enjoy each other they like each other I like that word because it, it it's so basic it's so honest. What's it like when you're with them? What's it like sitting with them at a, at a restaurant or walking around? Do you like them? Do you honestly enjoy them? Uh, reasons why they get back together. So here's where it gets more interesting. So the first reason was familiarity. I don't think that's a good reason because you are worried about you know what returning to dating might be like. That's not a good reason to go back to someone. And I realize depending on how long you've been with someone, re-emerging in the dating world as a single person really brings up a lot of vulnerability your age, what you feel like your level of attractiveness or market value is based on your height, your weight, your attractiveness, your job. I don't agree with those factors as being what makes someone's market value, but that's how a lot of the world operates, especially with online dating, where the things that we can put in our profile are searchable, marketable, quote unquote, goods. They're attributes. It's really hard to explain or describe who you are as a person, so we use stereotypes about what we are like physically, but also things we enjoy doing, but we don't know what that really means for that specific person, or what it would mean for us to do that with that person. So all the qualities that we're assessing and looking at aren't really telling us about that person. For example, someone says they're indoorsy, I learned nothing about you. Someone says they love the outdoors or being athletic, I, I still know nothing about you. Do you like getting up in the morning early? Cause I do. You might sleep in and then do your athletics. I get up early and go to the gym first thing. So we're not compatible there. See what I mean? It's, it's so specific. Um, so familiarity feels more comfortable but I don't want people to stay in a relationship that's not working or or worse off that's toxic because they don't want to step into, what does it mean to date at my age? What does it mean to have to just step into the dating world as difficult as it is? What does it mean to have to really feel self-esteem and pull myself together and present myself to someone on a date or sexually? That's very anxiety inducing for some people, but don't let that be the reason for going back to something that didn't work. I want people to leave relationships sooner it's a little bit of both. I don't really have a stance either way. I think some people need to stay and work it through, but then I think some people need to get out immediately upon hearing me say that. It really depends on the quality of the relationship. I think people stay too long and it damages them and it makes it harder to get back out there because we have an even smaller, lower, worse opinion as to what dating is like and what love feels like. So you have to be very thoughtful about what we're normalizing, but familiarity is one of the top reasons as to why people get back together with their ex. Oof, that is not a good reason in my mind. Come up with something better than that because what we create when we're together is so meaningful and so powerful that it's worth trying again. Let that be the answer because I like them that much. Let that be the answer. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a little break. Uh, we're going to do some DMs and then we'll come back and keep breaking all this down. The other reasons why people get back together. God bless it. So stick around though. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back, and uh, it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Got a question for us. Bam, let us know. Topic you want covered, drop deeper into, let us know. All right, this one says, Hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, my name is Rachel. I'm feeling a lot of added pressure at work. Ah, God bless, right? Work can be hard enough already. Every other email is an email about other people needing to get the vaccine. Bum, bum, bum. There's a lot of that going around, y'all. I think a lot of us understand this. If everyone in the office got the vaccine, we wouldn't have to worry about all these extra precautions. I have mine. (laughs) Of course you do, Rachel. And I'm feeling frustrated that my other coworkers don't have it. Is this added pressure that I'm feeling justified, or do I need to find a way to let it go? I know we're getting th- this, these topics still maintain. That's what's so fascinating is as deep as we are into a lot of this information, these questions, these topics still going. Um, I think it's justified. You know, I think a lot of us have hit that wall where we're kind of burned out on all the limits. There's some gains. I think there's a lot of gains. A lot of us realize certain work can be done from home and, you know, we'll continue to, and that's great. And we're, you know, making some prioritizations around rest and self care and, Everyone's hashtag mental health advocate, although we need to see a little bit better. But nonetheless, some people are frustrated. They want to be out in the world participating more, traveling. They want to see loved ones or they're still mourning the loss of someone who died. So it's still a very loaded topic. But I think it's fair for you to say, you know, if everyone did their part and got vaccinated, those that are able to. There are some people with some other health issues that can't, but those that can, yes, it would push us forward a lot more. But I think some people have dug their heels into it, which is fascinating because we've got all the abortion debate going on. I don't know what there is to debate. You know, Abortion is health care. Abortion is also mental health care. You know, um, think of the psychological ramifications of someone being forced to carry a birth that isn't right for them or something they're interested in. doesn't really matter how it came to be. But not even getting into that. As much as looking at how, you know, those that are trying to limit access completely or as much as possible to abortion, thinking that it's okay to try to control someone else's body are some of the same people that are saying my body, my choice, don't make me get, you know, a vaccination or have to wear a mask. And there's (laughs) a little hypocriticalness in that or not, you know, it's a little cognitive dissonance at work there. But nonetheless... I appreciate that. It's something we're doing for those around us, not just ourselves. It's about collectivity and community and trying to get people back to, you know, certain parts of their life. I've been severely limited and continue to be. I will not go around others. I'm still being very thoughtful about being around crowds. I mean, I go around others, but it's always outdoors, distanced. You know, you've all, you all know I'm still working from home. So I appreciate that frustration, you know, letting it go. I think that's, that's part of it, you know, realizing that this is how it's gonna be for a while those that are getting vaccinated, those that aren't. So letting go that part of it that you can, holding on to some of it. (laughs) Frustration's real. Everyone has a right to their feelings. But yeah, I think we're also getting kind of tired of talking about COVID. It was interesting to see when it finally stopped appearing on the news. And although there are, you know, Dr. Fauci updates, the news is kind of pushed forward and onto some other things. But yet every now and then it still pops up because Alaska hit something like the highest rate um, that they have had, or I think that anyone's having by in any way right now. So they're really, really under a lot of duress and still battling some school boards as well as some healthcare workers. It's so fascinating. Ready to just kind of get on and over and push through, but that can't happen. Not for a little while longer, so y'all hanging tight. Um, okay, so coming up next, we're going to keep talking about those that are wanting to get back together with an ex, looking at some of the research, some of the stats, as I told y'all, it's it's bleak. <laughs> the stats make it look very bleak. But as I always say, if we leave lovingly, we always can circle back to whatever it is we're talking about in terms of relationality. So leave lovingly. But um, you know, it's a rough time, it's a tough time. People are lonely, people are at home, and so I appreciate that they're circling back, reaching out to exes, making contact with people that they think are available or maybe interested. Just be thoughtful about the impact of that because some people. You do something like that and you're just providing that hook they need to really reattach and to get hurt in the process. So just be th- thoughtful about who you're uh, circling out and reaching, you know, circling back to and reaching out to during these difficult times when you're feeling lonely. But um, all right, so we're gonna talk about that. And then of course we'll be closing out some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, bam, dropping the DMs on our Loveline and G page. We'll be back. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All righty. We are back and we're, Uh, Talking about getting back with exes, Um, more common than you thought, more common than I thought or knew based on the stats, reasoning, it's kind of clunky, familiarity was the number one reason, that's not good enough, but we like familiar things, how often do we go to the same couple restaurants and ready? How often do we order the exact same thing at the restaurants we go to? I'm telling you. I don't know many people that are always like, I'm gonna try something new. I get the same thing at the same restaurants. I'm the worst. Am I an outlier or is that more common than I know? I, I Most people I know, they kind of get the same stuff. I don't know if menus need to be as big as they are. God bless it. But anyway, not a good thing to do with a relationship. What are the other reasons? Loneliness. It's not a great reason to circle back to something that wasn't working unless you left for wrong reasons. But if you left or ended a relationship for a good reason, loneliness should not be uh, so uh, unmanageable that you circle back. I know it's hard, but this is also why when we're in relationships, we have to maintain our other relationships. They have to be important as well. And getting out of a romantic relationship or a marriage is a beautiful time to step back into what? you know, those relationships that maybe we let go or drifted or, you know, we didn't really prioritize. That's the gift of, you know, being newly single is putting energy back into that, but this time maintaining it. Loneliness shouldn't drive you back. Loneliness should drive you forward and out. Loneliness should say, let me get back out there in the dating world. Let me get back out there and socializing. Let me reconnect to some new novel things I always wanted to bring into my life. I know it's hard. Reuniting, getting back together, can bring some companionship, but if the relationship wasn't good for you in the first place, why is it any different now? Really sit with that one. Other reasons, um, well, upon breaking up, upon moving on, they learn that what they had was good, the person or the relationship. So insight, clarity. If you're given the opportunity to still be considered as a partner, if they're still available as a partner, if they're still willing to trust, depending on how it ended. You know, people really do believe in commitment. And so when you show that it's very fragile, unless it's a meaningful reason, it's really hard to maybe convince someone to trust you again and to let you back into their heart, into their nervous system, into their psyche, into their identity. Because remember, all those things are dependent on the person we're in a relationship with, our identity. We're a couple, that's an identity. And other factors come out of that. So sit with that. But insight, I get it. We move on. We realize that we had it good. We date others and we realize how amazing our partner might have been. Maybe we even watch them from the sidelines becoming better, maturing. Maybe we even see others wanting them, which enhances their value. Maybe we devalued them. You know, I don't know. That's why I always say leave lovingly so you can at least be friends in the very least, have the parts of them still in your life that were always meaningful. Maybe you do get back together, who knows? But yes, being out of a relationship, we can look back and think we messed it up. It's harder to see that on the inside. But That's why if it's a good relationship and they're a good person, we figure it out, we make it work. We can't always be looking for new and easier and better. Everything's new in the beginning. Everything's easy in the beginning. It's all fantasy and projection. We really show if we can be trusted in how healthy we are relationally based on what we do during those maintenance phases. More importantly, what we do when things are difficult. That's when trust is shown. Hey, it's rough. I'm still here. That's why, again, I always say that I am eagerly awaiting when couples have their first moments of conflict because that really is what builds trust. Look at you sticking around and working through difficult times versus leaving or threatening to leave. That undermines all of that. So welcome the conflict, we've learned a lot. What else, the ex is still better than other partners? Yeah. You know, other available potential suitors aren't as uh, appealing or as interesting. That'll send you right back, but I don't know if that's good enough. Time, maybe you gotta hang in there and see what else is to emerge. Every day, hundreds of thousands of new people re-enter the dating world via apps or you know just shifts in their life. Uh, Another one, regret. Mm, did you end the marriage or the relationship a little too uh, at the wrong time over something that wasn't really reasonable or meaningful you're thinking like oh I shouldn't have gone that way I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that or maybe I get a little too dramatic or catastrophized <laughs> uh, and then finally here's a here's one of the final reasons why people get back together for the partner's sake it's not, that all, it's not that both people maybe want to get back together, but some people reunite not because they want to, but because they feel guilty. That is a horrible reason. And I think your partner hopefully is healthy enough where if they knew that, they'd say, yeah, please don't gift me that. That's not a gift. Don't come back and be with me because you feel guilty. That's not what a real relationship is built on. I want us to understand what real relationships are built on. That is not it. Guilt or shame or feeling indebted, No, no one gets anything good when it's being operated from a place of of that. That's very flimsy. That's very fragile. We want to do far better than that. Uh, Because we impact so much of someone and ourselves based on the quality of our relationship. It impacts our children's lives. It impacts our, our friends' lives. It impacts how we show up to our careers and our hobbies, our family members. It's not compartmentalized and just left back home. We take it with us. We carry it forward in us. It changes us. Going to take a little break. We'll come back, keep talking about um, prior relationships and circling back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. And uh, talking about leaving relationships, exes, getting back together with them. Again, I was not aware that as many people as the studies show circle back and get back into relationships with prior partners. I, I was not expecting that but they do apparently in droves. So what are the things you wanna think about? Well, you know, again, when we leave a relationship, please, please, please do yourself and uh, all future people in your life the favor of looking back and say, what can I learn about myself as a relational person and all the different ways that I move through the world and all the different people that I connect with and impact. What can you learn about your style so as to be better for people? That's that's what mental that's where mental health is shown. We're always reflecting, we're always learning, we're always trying to do better. We're not just keeping our head down and recreating the same stuff. You know, those on-again, off again relationships, the circle backs, this study at least and a couple others are saying that they tend to have a lower level of quality. But again, I think that's because people aren't really working on themselves or they're not really looking back and reflecting on what needs to be different. I, I do that work with couples and it takes it can take months and months and months for people to be able to look at what was their role because it's really hard when someone's engaged in really bad behavior for us to look at what our role might've been in that. And that doesn't mean that we're responsible for that. We're never responsible for someone else's behavior, but we do want to look at what part of what kind of relationship or system we were a part of setting up or maintaining that helped them or led them to step into the behavioral choices that they made. That's not you taking responsibility, but that is you being aware of how you impact others and the systems that you help create. That is healthy. That is necessary. That is not victim blaming. I'm not talking about um, situations where someone harmed another person. I'm just talking about general relational quality and happiness. We are part of bringing our best self or we're not. And if we don't bring our best self and we don't help create the kind of relationship we want to have, well, then it's very understandable that our partner doesn't take us or the relationship any more seriously than we do. And they stop inputting. And that's where distance is created. What have you done? What what intimacy blocks have you thrown up? Were you always... Unwilling to go on dates? Were you always overworking? Were you always fixated on books and your phone and television? Because that's part of it. If you're, you know, if the love died or your partner, I don't know, started cheating, you're not responsible for their decisions. Everyone always has a multitude of options. You know, at any time, a partner can address the situation, work on solving it. You know, cheating is a horrible solution or a way to manage a problem. But The person cheated on does at some point have to look at what did I do to help participate in creating a quality of relationship where it dropped so much and that, that led my partner to looking at what their choices are and making a really bad, destructive, traumatic choice. But I was, I was part of that relationship and I have to look at creating a better one. That's your, that's, that's every human being in any relationships job is what are you inputting? What are you bringing to it? And owning that, taking a lot of accountability for that. No one's neutral. And in the ending of a relationship, we can start working on that with all those that are still in our life. Maybe not with that partner anymore, but we can still work on that with our kids, our friends, our family members, being more emotionally present or emotionally available, really leaning in as opposed to leaning out, really learning how to prioritize people. It's always shocking to me that it's shocking to people when they give their relationship nothing and then they act surprised when that's how it feels or when their partner is willing to do bad things to it. Well, you didn't make it a priority or make it something that we treated with care. When you put things before it, you can't be shocked when it isn't treated as important to others that are a part of it as well. If work is always coming before your relationship, well, then that's why your relationship doesn't feel like a priority to them either. And they shouldn't make it one if you're not. That's how the wheels start to fall off. If we're putting our friends all the time before it or our drinking or drugging or our partying or our hobbies, whatever it is, our phones. People have to come first. And we should always be stopping and assessing. I've I have, I have recommended this often, where every couple months we should have a state of the union and sit down and say, how's this relationship going? What do we need to change? Bigger than that, the question should always be, what does this relationship need from both of us? Talking about it as though it's this third entity. What does the relationship need from us right now? Based on what's going on in our lives this month, what does our relationship need? And then individualizing it. What do I need to do that I'm not as a partner? It's self-reflective. Not, I'm gonna point at you and tell you all the things you're doing wrong. It's the opposite. I'm gonna share with you what I need to do to make this relationship better. And healthy couples in healthy relationships are open to having that reflected back. I do like the idea of saying to your partner, what do you need from me as a partner? But that's only asked in healthy, safe relationships. After also asking, what does the relationship need from both of us, more care, more time, more attention, more energy? Are we just giving it our leftover sloppy energy after a long day when we're tired? That's not fair. That's not going to make it feel important. That's not going to make us or the relationship feel important. If it's getting leftovers and sloppy seconds, that's not okay. You have to prioritize it. It has to be the priority or at least one of. Building in time. It's like I always tell people, protect your downtime and your free time, your leisure time. Protect it. Courageously, don't let anything infringe on it. That is not available time. But your relationship, your primary relationship should also be like that. That you don't let these other factors infringe upon it and steal energy and resources from it. We can maintain a lot of different, you know, priorities and relationships in our life, but our primary partnership, because of what occurs when we attach, which we've talked about on the show, where we start impacting each other's blood pressure, breathing, sleeping, hormone release, safety. We hook, our nervous systems and our brains are supposed to latch on to others. And once that starts happening, because we're attaching, we have a certain level of responsibility and accountability to the relationship and each other. Because now we are responsible for the other person's mental health. And I'm finding myself saying to a lot of couples, your husband, wife, or boyfriend, or girlfriend is in your care. Are you treating them well? Are you caring for them? Or are you harming them? Because us being brought into someone's life, I say this all the time, shouldn't make their life worse off or harder should be, we should be making people's lives better. They are now in our care because we are now a primary partner to them. And we have to take that very seriously. It's physical health and mental health. All right, so we're gonna take a little break. And then we'll be back, DMs, got a DM for us, drop a DMs in our Loveline G page, questions, topics you want covered, something drop deeper into. We'll be closing out the show later with that. So drop them in there and uh, past episodes of Loveline, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, click on the link. We'll be back there. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris and Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. And after all that talk about exes, let's talk very quickly about a little dating primer. Uh, I spend so much time during the week with friends, clients, just talking about a few dating tips. So I'm going to give you guys a little fast and dirty pep talk. This is uh step into the driver's seat. Do what do what needs to be done. Use dating as, you know, a way to work through whatever your obstacles are. So um, let's go through this. First off, you have to remember, everyone's... Got their vulnerabilities. Everyone's feeling a little bruised and beaten up from the dating process. It's very—it's rarely smooth for, for anyone. So having said that, my point is, is you can't expect others to do the work you're not willing to do. And I hear that directly and indirectly. Well, they're not, no one is dot, dot, dot. It's like, because everyone seems to be sitting back in this passive role, hoping that everyone else has the energy and the confidence and the willingness that they don't have and people just want to sit protected and safe and have people hit on them, initiate, keep the ball in the air, you have to be willing to be that person. You have to be willing to be that person that's assertive, that follows up when you haven't heard from them, that tries to take it offline or into the real world sooner than later, that schedules another date, that blah, 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 blah. You have to be assertive. You have to be willing to do the work. We can't keep hoping they'll do what we won't do. And that's what I hear a lot of people say. Well, they never followed up. And I'm like, but you didn't either. And it doesn't matter what they want or what they're doing. If you want relationality, you have to be willing to step into that assertion, that driver's seat. And if you're not, that's cool, but own that. That the reason why you're not dating or the reason why you're single, one of them might be because I'm unwilling to put any work into it. And that's fair. You don't have to. But there's this sense, it's called theory of mind. It's recognizing that other people exist and have their own experiences and their own struggles. And it's not as simple as if they liked me enough, they'd follow up. Or if they liked me enough, they'd say more than just clicking like on the app. You're not willing to do it. You know how hard that is. You don't know what they're up against. Some people have a lot more to work through than you do. So again, you have to be willing to step in and go after. What are a couple other things we have to think about? Well, we have to be less less self-centered and constantly thinking about ourselves and our safety and think what might this person need and actually initiate. I also tell people Everyone I'm working with is talking a lot about a lack of consistency, a lack of responsiveness. So be consistent and be responsive. So what does that mean? I tell my clients, check the apps. If you're actively trying to meet someone at least three times a day, that's right, at least three times a day. do it while you're in the bathroom, while you're getting coffee, it doesn't matter. Multitask it when you just get into your car before you drive home, I don't care. But three times a day, you need to show up as responsible. I'm sorry, responsible. You have to show up as responsive and consistent because that's what people are putting their entire self-esteem on, and we shouldn't. But everyone is in the game when someone's you know responsive and consistent, but the minute that falls off, everyone shatters and panics. You have to be willing to be the one that's assertive and following up, but more importantly, be present. So checking it three times a day is massive. Also, people that let days go by, people that are hitting it hard, those apps and really using them, they might have really connected and spent time with someone every day, reaching out, following up, and you miss out. Also, take risks. You have nothing to lose by hitting on, by being assertive, by pursuing people. We're always listening for consent. So if someone shows signs of not being interested, we let it go. But until they do, you have to be the assertive one, but you have to take risks. Dating is about being risky. Dating is about being vulnerable. Dating is about putting our self-esteem on the line, but we have to be willing to do that. Don't decide for others, that's the other piece. Some people will think in terms of who I should hit on realistically, whose league am I in, think outside of all those terms. Those are not real concepts, and those are not things you can decide for someone. Don't decide for other people whether or not they might like you. Don't decide for other people whether or not you're in the same league. Let them decide. Don't decide for them, but a lot of people make those decisions. I could never, I should never, no. We're leaning into our assertion. We're leaning into our confidence. We're taking courageous steps. Also, you can't tell by looking what someone is like or what they would like. And that also ties into what we also just said about deciding for people what they might want or whether they'd like you. We also can't decide, it's a kind of a partner to that, we can't decide who they are. When in doubt, go out. When in doubt, find out. That is a mandate. We can't just make our decisions based on the app. The app should be, just to decide if we think we're attracted to them or not. And then we have to actually take the time and energy to get to know them. We have to actually spend time with them. The apps are just to get the ball in the air. Total decisions should not live and die based on the few things they might write in their bio. We are taking those things way too seriously. When in doubt, find out. When in doubt, go out. When in doubt, go out again tell people at least three dates if you're if you're if you're curious if you're on the fence first date they're anxious second date they're settling the third date maybe they're a little more real a little more honest we have to give it the time and the energy that, that it mandates though we can't just d- get the app like a few times and then say it's not working well you're not working it it's like going to the gym because you want you know some more strength and you go there and you don't really work out hard and you're not doing the right things and you're wondering why you're not building the strength you want to build well certain ways to do it man time goes quick all right we got to take a quick break we'll come back we're going to be doing those dms so stick around Listen to love line with dr chris on channel q and odyssey we'll be back after the end of a good fight you deserve an ice cold reward Medella, the mark of a fighter you've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight the better the reward you put in the hours
0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: All right, we are back. and Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. You know, the drill DMs always come from our Loveline IG page. Drop them in there, questions, topics, concerns. All right. Oh, this one, it's loaded. I'm telling you, it's one of those topics that gets me going. So let's dive in. Hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline. My name is Vivian. Uh, My name is Vivian, and my best friend from high school asked me to be her maid of honor. Dun, dun, dun. Both a blessing and a curse. I want everyone to know that. I want those that are the brides throwing these weddings to understand the experience of people on the other end because everyone's feelings matter. There's no such thing as you're the bride, so no one else's feelings matter. It's called sociopathy. We always want to understand how we're impacting others. I don't care what it is; it doesn't matter if if it's your birthday or your recital or your wedding. People's feelings and how you impact them matter, right? The relationship you have with these people matters. And if you're willing to burn down a relationship with someone because your wedding or your birthday means more, well, they shouldn't then be respecting your birthday or your wedding if that means more than them and they're dehumanized by it. The people that are a part of it have to matter more than the event itself. People have to come first. That's basic empathy. I'm going to keep driving that home because I see people really think that it's okay to burn down a relationship, Uh, engage in bad behavior, be abusive, because it's my wedding. I don't care what it is. Your mental health and their mental health always matters. Neither in therapy nor in the court of law do you get out of your bad behavior because it's your wedding or your birthday or whatever it is. We have to be better, truly. We have to also take the pressure off of these events. They're parties. We need to calm down a little bit, not have our ego and our worth on the line so much. They're parties. But I've seen people go into debt over a party, AKA a wedding or a birthday. I've seen people ruin friendships over a birthday or a wedding. That's not okay. Now that I've said my piece, let's get back to the question. Uh, I was asked to be the maid of honor, God bless. I tried to set boundaries with her but she keeps pushing the line. See, there's my point. Because she thinks it's okay. Because she thinks she can. She thinks it's okay to dehumanize and harm someone or hurt someone or end a relationship over whatever it is that this is over. It's a party. I know it's her big day, and this is a huge responsibility, but I need my space, of course you do aka your mental health still matters. you still get to have boundaries doesn't mean you're now available around the clock at all times for whatever they need. Your priorities still get to be yours. You still have a family and a job and your mental health to worry about. you don't let go of all those because oh I'm your bride'smaid now you you know you get to just reach out whenever you want no. <laughs> I almost feel, back to the question, I almost feel like this is going to ruin our friendship. Shocker, because it already is. It already obviously is, if she's pushing on boundaries and you feel like it might ruin the friendship. You might want to have a little heart-to-heart. Hey, you're ruining, you're ruining our friendship over this. And if you don't act like you care, I'm out. I'm out as your bridesmaid and everything else. Because... I'm telling you, you're harming me and you're hurting our friendship. And if you're telling me the wedding means more, well then, that's very sociopathic and I'm gonna go. You know what I mean? Like I would be out in a minute if a job, an employer, a friend, anyone ever told me that I don't mean as much as the job, the money, the commitment, the wedding, the birthday, whatever it is. It's like, no, that is not a good sign. All right, back to your question. Um, How can, I love it. How can I respectively... You mean respectfully? How can I respectively tell her that we need to take a break before it ruins our friendship and her day? Wow, you're saying I need to take a, we need to take a break. I'm not exactly sure what that means though. We need to take I need to tell her we need to take a break before it ruins our friendship. What does that mean? I I, I need to be left alone for a length of time. I can't even be a part of your wedding because it's ruining our friendship, and that obviously means more to us? If that's what you're saying, you just say it. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the question different. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume it's there's more flexibility than we think, and I'm gonna assume that this friend of yours who you're this friend of yours who is the bride does want and does care for you. It's always important to reflect back to people how they're impacting us, and healthy people will listen, care, and they'll correct themselves. If you go to any healthy person and you say, Hey, listen, the way you're uh, uh, interacting with me or approaching me about whatever the topic is, it's not feeling good to me, and it's hurting our friendship. Everything they say and do next determines whether or not that friendship even continues. And if they do anything other than, thank you for telling me, that was hard to hear, but here's here's how we can work through this, then you're all on board still. But if they don't care, they dismiss you, write you off, then you should just be like, wow, I got my answer, I'm out, period. All right, y'all, that is our show. Great message to end on. Uh, as always, thanks for hanging out. Take care of each other, always, no matter what, even if it's your wedding. And uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great night.